as we prepare for International Women's Day, I thought it would be useful to reflect on how far we've come with gender equality, particularly given the disproportionate impact of working women during the pandemic. On my experience as a female leader, and whether there really has been any significant improvement in my profession as a lawyer. And finally, my thoughts on what organisations can do to accelerate equality in the workplace. The theme of International Women's Day is breaking the bias. Women remain significantly underrepresented, underrepresented in senior leadership, and the majority of women continue to experience day-to-day bias and microaggressions in their workplace. And it really doesn't have to be this way. By creating a real focus on equality for all within the workplace and putting in place simple, concrete steps, companies could and should address these inequalities head on. Unconscious bias and its potential impact on career progression and limiting beliefs has a major impact on women's careers and well-being in the workplace. The feeling of not being able to be their authentic self, but aversion in the feeling of the need to conform and a slightly, if I can say, male stereotypical version of a leader is still a really significant issue. Following the pandemic, companies need to take bold steps to address burnout, again, much more evident in women than in men, and to deal with the deep cultural issues that are required to create a workplace where all women feel valued. And they need to recognise and reward the women leaders whose skills often go unnoticed. It is thought that the pandemic has set women back by decades, referred to now as a C-session rather than a potential recession that we will be facing since women have been disproportionately affected economically and in leadership roles. Given the challenges of balancing work, children and home, t- home life, four times as many women voluntarily left the workforce and one in four are considering stepping back in other ways. And this is going to have far reaching consequences for di- gender diversity in the leadership pipeline. There's some interesting stats that come out each year from the World Economic Forum about global gender the, the global gender gap, and they report that, the, that that gender gap had closed in 2020 to a mere 99.5 years for us to achieve gender equality globally. But since the pandemic, that has now risen to 135.6 years. That's more than my lifetime, more than my daughter's lifetime, and probably would not result in equality even for her daughter. Even in Western Europe, it's estimated that it takes 52 years for that uh, gender disparity to disappear. And the UK is ranked 13th out of the 22 European countries. And that's just not good enough. Gender parity should be viewed as an opportunity and not a problem. Um, McKinsey refers in their report to women who are only something I really, really identify with. The only woman in the room, um, and in those circumstances, those women say it's especially they experience difficulties day to day because 
they tend to be more highly criticised and to experience much more challenge and aggression, challenges in relation to their competency or other disrespectful behaviour. The disruption of the last two years in driving a fundamental change in the way we work has caused companies to embrace flexibility in remote working at levels that would have seemed impossible just a few years ago. And most employees really welcome this shift. My fear, though, is the impact this will have on women and the unconscious bias that exists with remote working, I suspect, will impact women more than men. It will take time for the full impact of the pandemic to come into focus. But one thing is clear, hybrid working is here to stay. What's unclear is whether companies can capitalise on this seismic shift and the growing cultural focus of employee well-being, equality, diversity and inclusion for all, and in creating that better workplace. It will require us pushing beyond taking those small wins in the representation of women and doing that deep cultural work necessary to create a workplace where women and indeed all employees feel that they belong. Today, things have improved since the days of there being more CEOs called Dave or Steve than there are CEOs, uh, than there are women CEOs. And the percentage of women now with C-suite roles has increased. But there are still two problems, two major problems. The first is the perception that the first rung on the ladder is broken for women. And this is affecting the um, representation of women in mid-management roles and will create a real problem in the pipeline for future leaders. And the second is the impact of women of, of colour and the representation of them has dropped dramatically over the last few years. So what about my personal experience as a female leader? The legal profession has always been a gentleman's club. It's only 100 years ago this year that Dr. Ivy Williams became the first woman to be called to the bar in May of 1922. And Carrie Morrison was the first woman to be admitted as a solicitor in England and Wales in December of 1922. In my 30-year career, the pace of change has really accelerated, with the SRA and Bar Council now reporting on both gender and race and all law firms have to submit these stats to their regulator. When I first became a female managing partner of a 170-year-old law firm six years ago, I was an extremely rare beast. There was only a few of us operating within the top 200 law firms, and I'm really glad to see that over the last six years, that has changed significantly. But it is still in no way representative of the fact that there are more women solicitors than men. As I've reflected on my career as a woman, I know I accepted discriminatory behaviour. And as a confident and fairly forthright individual, I have to ask myself why I didn't call this out. Things like clients refusing to deal with me because I was female, Walk, walking into a room with other male colleagues and being asked who I worked for when in fact I was the boss being likened to ex-girlfriends, suffering inappropriate closeness and derogatory or sexual remarks, being called love or darling, which still happens now, being described as having only been promoted to make the tea, and so on. 
And when I reflect on this, it must have been because unconsciously I had the same inherent desire to fit in, to not stand out, to not to be different. And actually, it forces all of us not to be our genuine selves, but to turn ourselves into what we perceive to be an acceptable version to progress our careers. Although the legal profession has made great strides in equality and diversity in recent years, there is still a disconnect between the number of women entering the profession and those holding senior management positions. 60% of trainees now entering law firms are women, but by the age of 35, the number of practicing lawyers starts to fall dramatically. And I bet those statistics are pretty much reflective across a large number of sectors in the UK. At first sight, the reason seems pretty obvious. They've reached that point in their career when they're ready for that senior promotion, about the same time that they probably want to start a family. And I fear still too many women look at that senior role and what it entails in terms of time commitment, both inside and outside the office, and decide no thanks. In fact, I think this has got even worse as a consequence of having to homeschool and life during the pandemic. Even those who decide to go on and go for a promotion and hope the kids don't get ill too often will have moments when they wonder whether it was all worthwhile. I certainly felt very conflicted when I decided to go for partnership and I didn't know how my request for part-time working would be received. In the event, like most professional women with family responsibilities, I was paid for part-time hours but ended up working virtually full-time anxious not to let my clients or colleagues down, feeling I had something constantly to prove. So what can organisations really do to address these problems? Well, the first is that senior leaders need to be held accountable for the progress on diversity goals. Companies need to treat diversity as they would any other business priority, and that needs to be dealt with with transparency and openness. Training. It takes constant reinforcement to reshape deep-rooted biases and change behaviours. So one-off training on unconscious bias or equality, diversity and inclusion, ticking the box is never enough. Companies need to shine a light on gender, and that is where the change and awareness will grow. And there needs to be greater transparency about career, pay and rewards. Introducing a mentoring program is a proven method of nurturing female talent. And I confess I did not have a specific mentor, but it did work with a number of people that I greatly admired. And I now spend my time in mentoring several aspiring female leaders. Communication. Companies should clearly communicate what is expected of employees and what it means to have an inclusive culture including setting out the behaviours and actions that promote inclusion. I know it can be uncomfortable, but we all need to have the courage to have that honest conversation if it leads to sustainable change and, challenge, and that challenge to the status quo. Role models. We need to recognise the importance of the need to fit in. Be aware of that only person in the room that I talked about. And that it doesn't feel the same sometimes for everyone. 
One of the things that I really enjoyed in the pandemic was the campaign of This Little Girl Is Me. And I felt that really did showcase for women the great role models that are out there and that anything is possible in terms of career and their possibilities for the future. And finally, focus on a trust-based and performance-led culture. Continue to ensure that people management practices across the entire employee life cycle ensure equality, fairness and inclusion with a focus on raising awareness of unconscious bias. Companies must identify and develop their female talent. Too many still lack the confidence to apply for a promotion because they feel they haven't ticked every box. So in summary, there's no doubt that a diverse workplace is a more creative and a more productive one. And there's lots of research that shows it has a positive impact on the bottom line. So it's not only morally right to drive for equality, but it makes financial sense to do so too. There has been some real progress made in women in the boardroom and women entering more male-dominated fields. But it's just like trying to turn a super tanker rather than a speedboat. And that was before the disproportionate impact on working women caused by the pandemic. We still have a long way to go for gender equality. And the time now is to act as the pipeline of future women leaders will just not be there.